The views expressed on this program are not necessarily the views of this station. Content is for educational purposes only. Consult a financial advisor or conduct your own due diligence of investing. Calls are pre-screened and the show was pre-recorded earlier this week. Rick is with Edelman Financial Engines, a part of Financial Engines Advisors, LLC, and the investment advisor that furnishes this program. Barron's ranks financial advisory firms based on assets managed, team size, experience, and regulatory record. Firms self-nominate. Investment returns and experience are not considered. Advisors in the Hall of Fame have been in the top 100 for 10 plus years. Future performance is not guaranteed. This is the Rick Edelman Show. Barron's ranks Edelman Financial Engines the number one independent investment advisor in the country. And Rick is in the Barron's Financial Advisor Hall of Fame. Now, here's Rick Edelman. Welcome to the Rick Edelman Show. Well, the American Rescue Plan has been signed into law. The much-awaited, long-anticipated $1.9 trillion latest stimulus package from the federal government is now underway. Let me share with you the details of this massive amount of money being injected into the American economy and show you what it means for you, whether or not you're going to be receiving any money, either directly or indirectly, and what investment strategies you might want to be considering as a result of all of the above. First off, millions of American households are going to be receiving, in fact, have already begun receiving, checks direct deposited into bank accounts, and in some cases mailed, if you are single, earning less than $75,000 a year, you're going to get $1,400. If your income is over $80,000 a year, you're going to get nothing. And if your income is somewhere in between, you're going to get somewhere between nothing and $1,400. If you're married with household income of $150,000 or less, $1,400 for each one of you. 2800 for the two of you. If your incomes are above 160000 you get zero. If you're filing your taxes as the head of a household, you'll get a $1,400 check if your income is less than 112500 And if your income is over 120000 you get zero. So that's where we begin with the majority of American households getting some money, most of them getting $1,400 apiece. And what about children? If you have a child under the age of 18, each child is going to receive $1,400. In addition to that, there's a new child tax credit up to $3,600 for each of your children under the age of 6. Children between 6 and 18 will get $3,000. This is available for single parents who have incomes up to 75000 and married couples, who are parents, up to 150000 And these checks can be sent to you on a monthly basis rather than just getting a single lump sum to help you deal with monthly expenses over the course of the year. All told, families are going to be receiving $39 billion to help pay for child care. That's in addition to the other money. of the nation's children are going to receive benefits through this latest stimulus package. Never before in American history has so much money been allocated directly, specifically to children. Economists are projecting that this is going to cut child poverty by more than half. 
This is really pretty exciting in terms of the benefits for children. It is, of course, temporary. We're cutting child poverty dramatically in 2021 thanks to the stimulus. But what happens when we're past 2021? What happens when the money is dried up? We'll have to wait and see. Meanwhile, there's something else you need to know about all of this. When I say that the ability for you to get this amount of money, $1,400, whether you're single or married, et cetera, et cetera, is based on your income, well, who defines income? It's based on your most recent tax return. If you filed your 2020 tax return already, the IRS will use that. Yeah, it's the IRS that is distributing all of these checks. So they're going to look at your 2020 tax return that you've already filed to look at your income based on your 1040. And if your income on your 1040 falls below the limits, you'll get the check. If you have not filed your 2020 tax return, the IRS will use your 2019 tax return. Simple as that. What if you're unemployed? Well, thanks to this new stimulus plan, you're going to get $300 a week more than you would otherwise receive, and you're going to get that $300 a week all the way through September 6th. And if your income is less than $150,000 a year, $10,200 of your unemployment benefits are now tax-free, saving you thousands of dollars. There's also a couple of programs available for those who are self-employed, freelancers, gig workers, independent contractors. There's the Pandemic Unemployment Assistance Program and the Pandemic Emergency Unemployment Compensation Program. Talk to your tax advisor to see if you qualify for benefits under either of those programs. And what about people and their housing? What about your rent or mortgage payments? The new program, the new stimulus package, provides $20 billion to state and local governments to help low-income households pay their rent and utility bills. There's also $10 billion to help homeowners pay mortgages, utilities, and property taxes. And another $10 billion to help state and local governments deal with people who are homeless. Wait, there's more. Health insurance has now been made more affordable for more people. The Affordable Care Act, which otherwise known as Obamacare, is now available more cheaply, I guess I should say less expensively, for the next two years. And if you were laid off from your job, you probably know that you're eligible to maintain your employer health coverage through something called COBRA. That's a federal law that says you are allowed to maintain your old policy at work. You have to pay for it through COBRA. Well, guess what? Thanks to this new stimulus package, you will not have to pay any premiums on COBRA until October 1st. So you get to keep your health insurance from the job you just lost, and you don't have to pay for it. And there's benefits for small business as well. $15 billion for emergency injury disaster loans. These are long-term, low-interest loans provided by the Small Business Administration. If your small business employs less than 10 workers, you get priority for this money. 
There's also $25 billion being set aside for bars and restaurants, $7 billion more for the Paycheck Protection Program, and they're making nonprofits eligible for this money more widespread than the previous stimulus bills provided. The new package also contains $86 billion to bail out 185 multi-employer pension plans. These pension plans were so close to collapsing that it would have wiped out the retirement incomes for a million retired truck drivers, retail clerks, builders, and others. $86 billion to bail out those pensions. And there's money for education, too. $37 billion for colleges and universities. And what about K-12? $350 billion is being provided to the states, not for education particularly, but just generally speaking. The states get to choose how to spend the money however they want. And there's an assumption they're going to use at least some of it for state and local education. And guess who's not being left out? Private schools, they're getting $2.75 billion. That was inserted into the stimulus package at the last minute by Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer of New York. That's a relatively controversial provision. After all, these are folks who could have sent their children to public schools. They chose to go private. And now the federal government, meaning the taxpayer, is footing the bill for private education. Food stamp recipients are getting benefits, a 15% increase in benefits until October 1st, $25 more per person per month. And 11% of households say they didn't have enough money to eat in the past week. And it's 15% of households who have children. So this $25 per person per month is a really big deal. There's also money one and a quarter billion dollars for museums, zoos, aquariums, theaters, and concert halls, as well as promoters, producers, and agents. There's $10.4 billion for agriculture, businesses, as well as people who work in agriculture, and an extra $5 billion for farmers of color. There's also $21.5 billion for emergency rental assistance to states and cities, $500 million for rural health care, $800 million for the Food for Peace program, which sends food to people in 59 countries. Yes, this stimulus package has a billion dollars in it for people who live outside the United States. And the stimulus package has a clause in it saying that student loan forgiveness will not be taxable. Now note, the law itself doesn't forgive any student loans. Joe Biden has yet to make a proposal to Congress regarding that. But the bill does say that if there is student loan forgiveness, that forgiveness will not be taxable, which will save thousands of dollars for those under that program. This paves the way for Joe Biden to introduce a student loan forgiveness package. And it's widely expected that he's going to introduce a bill to waive $10,000 of student loan debt. Some are asking him to waive $50,000 of student loan debt. The funny thing is, ordinarily, if you have a loan that's forgiven, that is then considered taxable income. The new law says that won't be the case. You won't have to pay taxes on a loan you don't have to pay back. By the way, student loan debt is $1.6 trillion. 45 million Americans have student loan debt. 
And therefore, it's no surprise, only 19% of those polled say they oppose the whole idea. When we return on the program, I'm going to ask you the question, what are you going to do with all this money you're going to get? And I'll tell you what people are saying in answer to that question. Stay with us for more here on The Rick Edelman Show. 888-PLAN-RICK, rickedelman.com. With the publisher of the newsletter, Inside Personal Finance, coming up on The Rick Edelman Show. Welcome back to The Rick Edelman Show. I just shared with you all the key provisions of the new $1.9 trillion stimulus package, Joe Biden's America's Rescue Plan, the latest law just signed last week. Checks already showing up in people's mailboxes. I want to ask you the question, when you get $1,400 in the mail or 2800 or maybe even over 5000 depending on how many children you have in their ages, what are you going to do with all that money? Well, the Bank of America did a survey of American households asking that very question. Only 36% of Americans say they plan to spend the money. The rest are just going to save it and invest it. And in fact, Deutsche Bank did a survey as well, and they discovered that half of Americans ages 25 to 34 say they're going to spend half the money they get from the stimulus package. They're going to spend half that money on stocks and Bitcoin. In other words, this government is sending money to American households who apparently don't need it to pay rent or mortgage or buy food, clothes, medicine, or deal with transportation. This money is literally a windfall. The government's goal is to get this money into the economy so that we can rebuild jobs. You know, if we don't spend it, We're not going to be buying goods and services, and that means people aren't going to get hired back into stores and factories. So the government wants you to take this money and spend it. But only about a third have plans to do that. So here's my idea. If you don't need the money, give it to someone who does. The whole purpose of this is to get the money into the economy. Spend it, not necessarily save it. And go ahead, splurge if you want, And do so at a small business. If you don't have an emergency fund, put it there to build it up. If you've got high-interest credit card debt, use the money to pay down that debt. And if you haven't saved enough for retirement, go ahead and do that. But if you've got ample emergency cash reserves and you don't have credit card debt and your retirement savings are ample and you still don't need the money, Well, give it to your kids. They probably need it. Give it to someone else in the community who desperately does. Let's get that money working for us in the economy to build the economy and get all those millions of Americans out of work back into work. Oh, by the way, I made the offhand comment a minute ago that 50% of those surveyed by Deutsche Bank say they're going to spend 50% of their money on stocks, also Bitcoin. That's right. 60% of those who say they're going to invest are going to invest the money into Bitcoin. That's $40 billion, potentially, according to Deutsche Bank's calculations. And that, they say, could add 3% to Bitcoin's market value. Where else are people investing? 
Well, they're going onto these websites that have become popular recently, such as Robinhood. 60% of investors under the age of 40 are members of investment communities on forums like Reddit. That was the source of all of the GameStop activity. 41% of young investors say their top source for investing is YouTube. 24% rely on TikTok. 21% get their info from Instagram. 17% get it from Twitter. 16% from Facebook groups. And 13% from Reddit. In fact, 46% of Gen Xers and Millennials have used social media for investing information in the past 30 days. 22% of young investors trade stocks at least once a week. And 72% who are under the age of 40 say they trade at least once per year. I don't know. I'm a little indignant. I mean, I'm a professional financial advisor. I've been providing professional financial advice and financial planning recommendations to our clients for 36 years. And nowhere am I anywhere on this list. Financial advisors don't appear on this list of where investors under 40 are getting their financial information. They're getting it from social media and chat rooms. In other words, they're getting it from anonymous sources. They have no idea who these people are and why it is they're saying what they're saying. Well, it's worth noting what the SEC did this week. They just leveled fraud charges against a California trader who used social media to spread false information. The guy's name is Andrew Fasari. He used his Twitter handle, at OCMillionaire, to tweet false data on a defunct company. He promoted this company while secretly selling his own shares of the stock. He started this on January 9th. He began purchasing 41 million shares of a stock called ARCS. The stock is defunct. But he bought 41 million shares for pennies, and he then tweeted false information about it to his thousands of Twitter followers. And over the next several days, the share price rose, are you ready for this, 4,000%. And from December 10th to December 16th, meaning just over the next five days, Fasari then sold all of his shares for a profit of a million dollars. And you know what happened to everybody else. That's not all. Keith Gill, this is the central figure in the GameStop controversy. He was an employee of Mass Mutual. He testified before the House Financial Services Committee. He's now a defendant in a lawsuit that claims he was not acting as an amateur stock enthusiast on the Reddit chat room. He's actually a chartered financial analyst. He's a licensed securities broker. And what he was doing, this lawsuit says, he was doing it to try to profit for himself. Do you know what's going on on these sites? Do you know who these people are you're interacting with? At the Robinhood website, they give you the opportunity to ask questions. They have a Q&A section. Do you know what the two most common questions are at Robinhood? Number one, what is the stock market? And number two, what is the S&P 500? Amateur investors with no experience of any kind are opening brokerage accounts and trading stocks, and they don't even know what stocks are. How can this do anything other than end badly? Credit Suisse says amateur investors are now accounting for a third of all U.S. stock trading. 
Deutsche Bank says almost half of U.S. investors were completely new to the markets in the past year. They're under age 34, they're aggressive, they're willing to borrow money to fund their bets, they have heavy use of options and social media as a research tool to find ideas. And they say if the market falls, they'll put more money in. Their motto is YOLO, you only live once. Reddit's forum, almost 10 million members. It's up fivefold since the beginning of this year. You really have to wonder, where are people getting their information? Why are they treating investing in stocks like a video game or a casino? And what happens when things don't go their way? And what implication might there be for you and your children who are participating in all of that? I encourage you to encourage others to get the financial education and prudent financial advice needed to help you make sure You're not setting yourself up. Your children aren't setting themselves up for failure. You're listening to The Rick Edelman Show. Last week, I told you about a new house in New York that was built by a 3D printer. Well, guess what? These homes are now readily for sale in Austin. A company called Three Strands, building two- to four-bedroom homes, they're built in only five to seven days with a printer. They'll be ready for folks to move in this summer. Also, 3D is being used in another way, in circuses. Circuses have a controversial history, abuse of animal allegations. Well, there's a circus in Germany that has replaced its circus animals with 3D holograms. 11 laser projectors beaming into a 105-foot by 16-foot arena. The projectors produce life-sized animal holograms in 360 degrees three-dimensional. More illustrations of the use of 3D technology coming your way. I'm Rick Edelman. Stay with us for more here on The Rick Edelman Show. 888-PLAN-RICK, rickedelman.com. More with the author of the New York Times bestseller, The Truth About Your Future, coming up on The Rick Edelman Show. Welcome back to the Rick Edelman Show. We've been talking about the stimulus package. We've been talking about the crazy behaviors that neophyte investors are engaging in. There's another group of Americans who are engaging very uh, intently on their personal finances, but not always as successfully as we would prefer to see. And I'm talking about women. And so I'm very happy to bring on to the program my good friend and financial expert, Gene Chatsky. Gene is the CEO of HerMoney.com and host of the podcast, her Money with Gene Chatsky. Gene, always wonderful to be with you. Welcome back to the show. Oh, thanks so much, Rick. It's nice to be here. There's a, an ulterior motive for Gene and I to be with you today. Gene Chatsky and I are presenting a special webinar. It debuts this Tuesday, March 23rd at 3 and 8 p.m., and it is called The Truth About Women and Money. And the reason Gene and I have partnered to do this is that we have both been spending much of our careers acknowledging the fact that financial planning is fundamentally a woman's issue. And Gene, sometimes people, that that, that comment hits them upside the head. Why is it that financial planning is essentially a woman's issue? I mean, when you get to the heart of it, Rick, we're going to outlive you guys. 
And and I hate to put it that bluntly, but but that's just the truth. I mean, when you look at demographics, when you look at the trends in how society has been shaping up, 90% of women will be alone at some point in our lives. And we need to have a grip on how we're going to manage our resources. And that's just become more difficult in light of this pandemic. As as I know you've talked about before on this show, the brunt of the job losses have been borne by women. Research shows we have been put back 20 years in terms of the progress that we had made when it comes to issues like the gender pay gap. And um, if I sound frustrated, it's it's because I am. I mean, We were getting so close, and now we just need some tactical steps to right our ships once again. Well, it's not merely the gender pay cap that exists, but there are some social fundamental issues that also result in women not being able to accumulate as much money as men. Women don't spend as much time in the workforce as men, predominantly because of caregiving. Let's just start there. Yeah, and and that has been um, spotlighted again during the pandemic. When we look at why it's been that women have taken a step back from the workforce during this past year, a lot of those issues have been caregiving related and not just for kids who are being remote schooled, but also for older parents. And it's a domino effect. When a woman takes a step out of the workforce, it's not just salary that we lose. It's social security credits and seniority and our networks and retirement plan contributions. And the list goes on and on and on. And it's a, it, it can be incredibly devastating. I mean, there, there's a ton of information on this, but it, it really boils down to the fact that if you've got a two-income couple and, and they're trying to make things work during this difficult period of time and somebody needs to be home with the kids, they're going to take a look at who's earning more. And in most cases, that is still going to be the man. And so the woman is going to take a step back as has happened or perhaps cut her hours and the impact is devastating. And it's uh, not merely that issue. It's the fact that in this pandemic, most of the jobs that have been lost have been lost by women because the industries that have been most severely affected by the pandemic are the kinds of industries that tend to employ women more than men. We're talking about the hospitality industry, the travel industry, Mm -hmm. uh, the service industry, the healthcare industry, and education. Women work in those careers more than men do, and those were the ones where we saw most of the layoffs, and therefore women lost jobs more than men did. And so when you look at the fact that uh, you're more likely to be laid off, you're more likely to be the one having to stay home to provide caregiving, leaving you out of the workforce, the statistics are that women spend 12 years on average out of the workforce because of caregiving issues. And it just all compounds. Right. And then we live longer. (laughs) Right. And then, then we get to the end of our careers. We have 
balances in our retirement accounts that are less than those of men, less than they need to be. And and we go on to outlive our, our male partners by five-ish years. Um, it's no wonder that running out of money in retirement is the biggest financial fear that women have. And it's an understandable fear because they see what's going on. And, and what we discover as a result of this is that the average wife receives more money from Social Security as the wife of a worker than as a worker herself. Mm-hmm. That kind of speaks volumes. Uh, and we also note that about a million women uh, are living in poverty in retirement because they didn't have enough accumulation during their lives. Uh, and as you noted, if, if women are outliving men 80% of the time, it's reasonable to assume that at some point you're going to be on your own to deal with personal finance issues. And yet we discover, according to the survey data, that many women delegate, in many cases abdicate, the personal finance activities of the household to their husbands. Um, he's the one dealing with insurance decisions, credit cards, tax preparation, investment decisions. She's not involved, uh, often by choice, sometimes due to the nature of the relationship. And it might work for the 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 years that they're married. But when he's no longer in the picture due to death or divorce, she's not well prepared to be able to take on these responsibilities as seamlessly as she perhaps ought to be. Yeah, there, there's no question there's a confidence gap and and that it's greatly responsible for the fact that we don't step up. But but there's also a time gap, right? I mean, we are we are time starved right now. And and when we look at getting everything that we need to get done in our households, getting the kids off to school, getting the food in the refrigerator, somebody's doing the grocery shopping, somebody's paying the bills, somebody's, it, we have to divide and conquer because there aren't enough hours in the day. But the fact that, that women don't engage um, as often as we should in the management of the day-to-day finances is, is problematic for exactly the reasons that you outlined. I, I do want to say, and I, I hope that people will tune into this webinar because it's not doom and gloom. I mean, you and I worked really hard to put together a plan of action for women so that you could spend an hour of your time, listen to this, and come out with some real tactical steps that you could take to right your own ship, to get back on the road to success, to participate in what we hope will be a she recovery after this big she session. And that's a really important point to make. In this event that we're doing this Tuesday, you can attend for free uh, this uh, webinar event at either 3 p.m. or 8 p.m. We're going to be talking about the financial issues affecting single women, women who have a spouse or partner, mistakes made by couples, women planning to have children, women facing divorce, and widows. So there's a huge array of content available, action steps that you can take, issues you might not have given much consideration to, to help you improve your personal finances today through this pandemic crisis and position yourselves for success in the future. The event is free. It's this Tuesday at either 3 or 8 p.m. You can register for free for the event. Just go to rickedelman.com. That's rice. 
gelman.com. And when I come back, we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, Gene Chatsky, I'm going to hit you with three subjects. You don't know what they are. They all pertain to women. And I want to see how you react to each of these three items. And we'll see if our listeners share your point of view. So stay with us for more here with Gene Chatsky here on The Rick Edelman Show. 888-PLAN-RICK, rickedelman.com. Talkers Magazine as one of the 100 most important radio talk show hosts in the country. This is The Rick Edelman Show. Welcome back to The Rick Edelman Show. We're joined once again by my guest, Gene Chatsky, the CEO of HerMoney.com and the host of the podcast, her Money with Gene Chatsky. Gene, thanks for hanging with us through this second segment. Thanks for keeping me around. So we're talking about the fact that financial planning is a woman's issue as a prelude to the brand new webinar that Gene and I have jointly produced called The Truth About Women and Money. It debuts on Tuesday, March 23rd, this coming Tuesday at 3 p.m. and 8 p.m. It's a free webinar, and you can register at rickedelman.com. Gene, I want to hit you with three subjects, and I want you to tell us your reaction to these three issues. Uh, And one of them, the first one, is a question that I want to pose to you. In the issue of divorce, let's pretend that we have assets, and we're going to split those assets between the husband and the wife. You've got $100,000 in a bank account or $100,000 in an appreciated stock portfolio. They're both $100,000. Which one is worth more? Oh, I'm going to take that bank account every time because... If the stocks have already appreciated, eventually there's going to be some sort of a tax event um, unless you are able to pass them down years and years and years down the road. But we don't even want to deal with that lack of flexibility. With, with the money in the bank, you can invest it any way you like. And yet what I discover when dealing with clients who are going through divorce, they tend to look at an asset and they often don't take into consideration the tax implications of those assets. It's a big problem, particularly, too, when it comes to looking at, say, the house versus the portfolio, right? I mean, when we look at various assets going through divorce, and as you know, I have been through divorce, um, we have to look at our ability to uh, to maneuver with those assets, at what sort of taxes will likely be owed on those assets, but also at what what sort of continuing expenses those assets lock us into. And so when we see one spouse holding tight, as tight as possible to that family home because they want to be able to provide continued stability, let's say, for their children, often what they're getting themselves into is a sinkhole of expenses that will not allow them to build um, a structure that will provide for their own retirement in the future. So let's move on to the next one. Here's a statistic that recently came out. More single women now own homes than single men. What's your view, Jean? Um, amen to that. Look, single women are a very fast-growing cohort. 
um, demographically. And it's because women are choosing to stay single, sometimes forever, but generally longer. It's because of divorce. It's because of widowhood. And I say buy the home when you want to buy the home. A, a home is um, not something that you need a partner in order to decide that you want to build equity in. It's a very important and um, valuable part of your financial picture. And if you know that you are going to be in the same area for five or more years, you can afford a down payment, you want to put down some roots, buy the house. I don't know if you've seen the TV show Marriage or Mortgage, new series on Netflix. It's a cute little show with a wedding planner opposite a real estate agent. They're each trying to convince a young couple to spend $30,000 either as a down payment on a house or $30,000 on a wedding. I notice there's no financial planner anywhere in sight. Show kind of drives me crazy from that perspective. But it's a cute, <laughs> fun show as the two of them are trying to choose between a big wedding or a house. What's your viewpoint, marriage or mortgage? Oh, I, I would like both. I mean, I got to say, I, I am um, I'm a fan of, of being able to celebrate with friends and family without going overboard, right? We, get, we, we do a mailbag segment on the Her Money podcast, and we get a lot of questions, um, kind of like these, from people who want to be given permission to go into debt, for example, to, to have that big wedding. And, and they're never going to get that kind of permission from me. But if you've, if you've saved the money, if it's not going to get in the way of your um, financial future, then, then in, especially after a year like this one, celebrating with friends and family, I think is, is, um, is a wonderful thing to be able to do. Do we go overboard? A hundred percent. We often go overboard in ways that, that don't make the celebration anywhere more meaningful. And I think where this show is going is getting to our financial priorities, you know, getting us to the place where we uh, we establish some goals. We rank order them. We we do this with our spouse or partner if we have one. We figure out, okay, what do we want this year? What do we want in five years? What do we want in 10 years? And how are we going to be able to marshal all of our combined resources to get the most of those things? Because money is a limited resource for everyone. You've been hearing from Jean Chatsky, the CEO of HerMoney.com and the host of the podcast, Her Money with Jean Chatsky. Jean and I are presenting a special webinar on Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, March 23rd, 3 p.m. and 8 p.m. It's free, and you can register for the event right now. Just go to rickedelman.com. That's ricedelman.com. The webinar is going to be filled with a lot of information for single women, women who have a spouse or partner, mistakes made by couples, women planning to have children, women facing divorce, and widows. I hope you'll tune in if you're a woman, or if there's a woman in your life, a mother, a wife, a sister, daughters, granddaughters, invite them all to tune in to the truth about women and money this Tuesday at 3 and 8 p.m. at rickedelman.com. Jean Chatsky, thanks so much for joining us on the show today. Thanks so much for having me, and thanks for, for combining our forces on this webinar. I'm, I'm very, very pleased with how it turned out, and I think your listeners will be too. Thanks a bunch. Well, we just finished talking with Gene Chatsky here on The Rick Edelman Show. Time now to shift to Gene Edelman, 
my wife, Jean, founder of Edelman Financial Engines, a degree in consumer economics and macrobiotic cooking expert, here with her weekly segment. Jean? Hi, everybody. Thanks, Rick. Always great to be back. So my word is spring. Oh my gosh, it's here. We are on the other side of winter and spring is starting to peek her head out. The colors are at our feet. The daffodils, the bluebells, they're all waking up. And so let us use this time to open up the windows and let in some fresh air into the house Oh, and please have some screens because I can't tell you how many times I've had visiting birds. (laughs) That's not fun. Turn on the music. Dance a little as we tidy up the house. Clean out some closets. There are so many in need of items that we no longer use. Get our papers in order. Tax time is around the corner. Clean out the fridge and restock with fresh veggies from the farmer's markets. Time to shift our soup into something that's a little lighter, that's more broth and lots of fresh vegetables and time to lighten up our eating. Get out in that sunshine and walk and move and breathe and let's just get rid of that cold winter out of our body. So the word spring, S is for soak up the sun. We have been so long without it. P, P is for pause. It is time to take in life and nature, listen to the birds when we're outside on our walks. R is for restore and refresh with this vibrant energy of spring. I is to immerse, immerse ourselves in life and what is important. N is for new, new growth, new thoughts, new directions. All is possible. G is for gift. Life is a gift. Don't take any moment for granted. This is a wonderful, beautiful time of year, and we missed spring last year due to the pandemic. Let's embrace each day, focus on what's important in our life, breathe in the warm, fragrant air of spring, and have a beautiful, beautiful day. And I know we're all looking forward to that. Thank you, Gene. That's Gene Edelman here on The Truth About Money, 888-PLAN-RICK-RICK-EDELMAN.COM. Thanks, Rick. Thank you very much for joining me on the program today. And as a reminder, join Gene Chatsky and me for a special webinar, The Truth About Women and Money, this Tuesday, March 23rd at 3 and 8 p.m. And on this program, we're going to talk about the fact that financial planning is a woman's issue. So we need to show you, if you're a woman, how you need to address all this. And we need to show you, if there's a woman in your life, how you can help make sure that financial security is available and on target throughout your entire career. It's free. Sign up for the webinar right now at rickedelman.com. That's ricedelman.com. See you next week. about money every weekend on the Rick Edelman Show.